It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome as we are getting ready for today's game against the Jets. We have a lot to get into, so I'm going to bring on Shang Peng of San Jose Hockey Now and NBC Sports California. Shang, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Uh, pretty good, yeah. Can't complain. Nice. I, I'm sure that if we talk to a couple Sharks fans, they could complain about a number of topics. Um, before well, I, I do want to, yeah, right. I mean, I, I do want to um, ask you about the trade deadline stuff, but first I just want to ask you about the last two games because they've lost by a combined score of 14 to six. They've had similar collapses in the second period of each of these last games. David Quinn said after Thursday night's loss, he acknowledged that there was probably a human aspect and maybe some of the guys were feeling it. And maybe there was a carryover for that um, of himself on Saturday when he ended up getting ejected. So, you know, what what do you think after seeing these last two games? Um, well, I try not to think about it because it was some pretty ugly hockey out there. Um, but uh, if, uh, if, if uh, forced to think about it, I would just say that... Uh, we might have to see a few more of these games the rest of the season. You know, the team lost a very vital offensive component in Timo Meyer, uh, just a guy that will push back when things aren't going well. And so that's what kind of kind of happens. And also the team is has been well the playoffs for quite a while. And so there is sort of a natural human uh little less engagement, arguably, too. And so there's I think a, a lot going going on there. It is frustrating though, because the first period that they played on Thursday night against St. Louis was pretty nice. And then the first period against the Capitals <laughs> looked pretty nice. And then it's just an absolute collapse. I mean, that it's one thing if they get smoked from the gun, but it appears that there is some of that gumption and ability that they would need ostensibly to win. Some of it's there. It's just clearly not sustaining. Yeah. I mean, uh, Honestly, a better team can kind of uh, fight back more when there's hard times or if a goalie gives up a bad goal and that sort of thing. But when the team is, you know, kind of under undermanned and now uh, kind of under motivated in the sense that they're not playing for the playoffs or anything, at least I know they're all playing for their jobs and, and all that kind of stuff. But that's what uh, that, that that's what can can happen. And so. Um, it is uh, nice that they are able to put together a nice period there and show that 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 they have that ability still. But you know they need to put together not necessarily the cliche sixteen minutes because of course no team plays a perfect sixteen minutes. But they got to do a lot better than twenty against St. Louis and thirty against Washington. Let's talk about what we have seen with the Sharks at the trade deadline. You asked Mike Greer if the Sharks were in a rebuild, and he seemed to imply it was somewhat of a semantic argument. And then I talked to Craig Button about this, and he said, well, they still have Eric Carlson, and they still have uh, Logan Couture, and they still have Tomas Hurdle, so that they are not 
you know, tearing it down completely to the studs like we've seen with an Arizona or previously Detroit for a similar argument. Um, Yet at the same time, when Greer was talking to you about your question, he did, you know, throw in other R words, including the term rebuild. (laughs) So what do you (laughs) assume is what the Sharks are going through right now? Like, how do you classify it? Or is Greer correct? Is it just, you know, an argument of semantics? It's a rebuild. Um, you know, it may not be a full-on rebuild like uh, like Craig suggested, but that's only because of that's not not from choice. Uh, that's because of the contracts. If Eric Carlson had a more inviting contract, he'd be in another city right now. And you can argue the same with Couture and Hurdle. Well, you know, uh, you know, they may want to stay too for different reasons, but. Um, the contracts are the reasons why a lot of these guys are still here because they're not quite movable or the Sharks don't want to retain four more years on uh, on a on a Carlson at like 40 percent or on a Couture or on a hurdle. And of course, you only get three three retainment spots, too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a rebuild. Um, again, yeah, it's not a full down teardown, but that's because they can't do that. They They, they really can't do that. I mean. I guess you can do that, but you, you know you have to give up a bunch of draft picks. You have to retain way more money than you want to, and that's comes to a point where you're just shooting yourself in the foot to kind of to kind of uh, commence a full scale rebuild. So that's not realistic, but uh, they are trying. Their, it seems like they are trying their best. You know, trading Timo, um, entertaining conversations about Carlson, who's of course having a fantastic season. Uh, they are trying to 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 rebuild the best that they can, uh, given the the kind of the rock and the hard place that the contracts put them uh, put them in. Do you think that then the timeline is a little bit different because they do have a Tomas Hurdle, they do have a Logan Couture and Eric Carlson, which can maybe expedite things? Because I know that was something that you asked about as well, like when this team expects to be in the playoffs. Because for better or for worse, they do have quality pieces here. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what their, what their plans are. I'm not sure if, if it's built around it. It is, it is noticeable that, uh, whatever Mike is doing, uh, is, and he, he mentioned himself and I do believe that this is kind of what he's going for. You know, he talked about being able to turn it around relatively quickly. And I think what he means by that, obviously the first question when, or when, uh, he says that is, well, why don't you just keep Timo Meyer? Right. <laughs> you want to turn things around quickly. But I don't think he means it like that, where sign another long-term contract and you know, and, and just try your best to make it into the playoffs next year. That's not that's not what Mike is talking about. He's talking about trying to build things kind of in a slower, more responsible way, uh, not get yourself caught up in another long contract, that sort of thing, right? And so, uh, but what is interesting about some of the decisions he's made is uh, he alluded to in the Meyer trade that he had offers of. Uh, mostly or all draft picks, mm-hmm. and he didn't take that. I wonder if that was Vegas because that's mainly what Vegas has to offer because their system is so tapped out. And Vegas was said, of course, to be the runner-up to New Jersey in the in the Meyer sort of sweepstakes. Uh, but anyway, though, um, he 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 opted more for players uh, from New Jersey that are closer to Angel already, uh, Mukamadula and uh, Ochuyuk. Uh, those guys are um, Luka Madulin is I think 21 and he's you know he's going to 20 or 21 he's already playing pro and he can come over as soon as the KHL season ends. Uh, Uchuyak is already playing the AHL. Um, Zetterlin obviously is is already an established NHL player. Mm-hmm. So there was a mix of trying to get 
kind of uh, uh, prospects are not like your not draft picks that are 18, not just selected prospects that still need a couple of years, but guys that maybe that can uh, that can help out sooner. And I don't know if that's to help out necessarily a hurdle or a couture. I kind of hope not, because I don't know if, if you should be building your plans uh, around those guys, but those guys will probably be here because of their contracts and they're still good players and there's still hope that they can be big time contributors if they're able to, if the Sharks are able to flip things around quickly. And so if they are, then, uh, then, then yeah, then it, it might just kind of coincide that uh, hurdle and couture are still, um, you know, positive contributors. And you have a guy like, a, let's say, a Mukumadulin or a Henry Thrun, just another example of a guy, 21, uh, senior uh, in college who's ready to step into pro, who might be able to help uh, very soon too. And if they can kind of crest together the these younger players that are closer to NHL uh, readiness and the uh, whatever's left of Couture and Hurdle's kind of uh, best years, then yeah, you might you might get something there. And uh, conspicuously, I didn't mention Carlson because mm-hmm. my guess is that they're going to try to find a way once again to try to move him this summer. One of the things that I've seen with the Carlson talk is that it's a lot of like a wish list. There, you know, I've heard people saying, "Oh, well, if the Sharks retain, you know, this amount of money, you know, forty some odd percent, and he's, you know, you can get Eric Carlson for seven point five million. And I'm saying, well, yeah, if that was the reality, then every team would have been in on that at the deadline. But I'm sure the Sharks were not entertaining that much. Retainment. So, I mean, what is a realistic expectation, if there even is one, for what we might see with the with the Carlson move? And actually, also want to get your take with how open about all of this Mike Greer was when he spoke after the deadline on Friday afternoon. Like he was a lot more forthcoming than I expected him to be. Yeah, Mike has uh, been uh, like that uh, pretty much since uh, he's taken over. Uh, to his uh, credit, um, I wrote about that uh, in, in 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 the. I guess the transcript of, of, of his trade deadline interview, but at the top of it, I wrote about how, you know, whether or not you, you agree with all of his moves or the prospects that he's traded for or things like that, you know, uh, Mike has struck me from the beginning, but especially in that post trade deadline availability as someone with, he, he knows what he is doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, He knows what he wants to do with his team, whether or not it leads to, playoffs in a couple of years or selling cup in the future who knows but he is uh he he has a sureness of his vision i think that that comes across in that availability and uh i uh, a lot of actually a lot of fans are very upset about the team Meyer trade upset about the direction of uh, of this team uh that uh, based on some of the twitter comments and uh comments on this on the story itself at sounds like hockey now it seemed like um uh, mike's comments were sort of like uh like warm milk you know they they helped uh calm uh pacify the 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 masses a little bit <laughs> yeah but, i mean it, it is i i do understand but at the same time my whole take on this has been okay it's not like it's helping them win right now i mean i think that after the the Sunday night move of Timo, he said in that Zoom press conference, is you don't want to be stuck spinning the wheels, which right. is where the Sharks have been since the end of the pandemic shortened 2019-2020 season. Like, they were already having trouble at that point. They'd make the change to Bob Bugner. Then Hurdle gets hurt. Then Carlson gets hurt. And Couture gets hurt. And, you know, if we'd probably done things a little bit more differently, it might have started then with the quote-unquote R-word, rebuild, retool, reset, whatever you want to call it. But now it's just kind of, it's like the, you don't want to get caught spinning those wheels. And so if, I get it. It's like if Timo's not helping you win right now, then what, you have to build towards something that will eventually help you win because I think we can 
we've put this to the acid test of the NHL. It's not like I don't think the dynamic changes if you keep him. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I, I agree. I mean, well, again, whether or not you agree with uh, who we acquired or or whatnot, um, I think that um, the Meyer deal is hurt at least in terms of perception because you don't have a big name prospect coming back, and the biggest name you have is a defenseman that you know not a lot of people have really gotten a chance to see, you know, be it uh, in World Juniors, because Russia wasn't in the most recent World right. Juniors, or um, or even at AHL level. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I, I think I, I think things like that sort of uh, hurt the perception. But uh, who cares about the perception, though? I think that what Mike is doing at the core level of saying, like, look, we can resign Timo, he's an incredible player, but... Um, is he helping us win a lot of games here? Well, I mean, of course he's be, you know, a guy who puts up 40 goals is going to help you win games, but it's not helping you get to the playoffs on the end run though. And so, um, yeah, I think it it was ultimately as much as it hurts to lose a homegrown player. I mean, it speaks to where the franchise is that, that, that they were at this point where they had to make this decision. And even last year, uh, where arguably uh, going back to that, they should have done the same thing with, with Tomas Hurd, which would hurt even more because Tomas is so beloved uh, among Sharks fans and, 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 and whatnot. But uh, those are the kind of decisions that I think, um, they've been put into by some of the, you know, by, by, by the past contracts and just a few years of, of kind of irrelevance. Um, but anyway, though, um, going, going back to the original question about, about Eric, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because even that 40% retainment, um, you know, that, that reduces his contract down to about 7.5 for four years. Everyone says that that's a, that's a walk in the park, but it really isn't though, because Eric is 32. He's had one great season in the last four Teams can see that too. This is mm-hmm. not as if um, if uh, if Eric Carlson has played seventy plus games in each of the last four seasons, obviously not counting twenty twenty one, and has put up a point per game each season. In that case, you would get a taker for maybe even the full eleven point five. But the questions about Carlson aren't aren't just about the the, the dollar figure and 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 whatnot. It's also about durability. It's also about you know whether or not he can repeat this. Um, you know, again, I go back to it, but you know, this time last year, uh, trading Carlson's contract at all was not possible. Right. Um, or would have been an incredible stretch. Same thing two years ago. Same thing three years ago. And the reason being is because, um, yeah, he's uh, he he hasn't quite hit this peak performance level in such a long time. And so, again, so summer, I think they will try to try to move try to move him. Um, and uh, I think. Uh, you know, I think, I think, I think, I think there's a decent chance they're able to, but I mean, I don't think it's a, it's a slam dunk though, because again, you're talking about former years after this year, whether it's 7.5 million per year or 11.5 for somebody that, um, you know, hasn't been uh, consistently great for, for the, you know, the first half of, of this contract. Do you think that he can repeat it? I mean, we are, you know, approaching game 64 and he has 80 points I mean, do you think an 80-point season is capable from him again, or is this just the peak of a career year? Because just, you know, for, for devil's advocate, because I, I have no idea, I would hope that he could for his sake because it's really fun to watch. But at the same time, I do look back and I go, okay, you know, when he first came here, he had to deal with the injury. But in the playoffs, even missing time with the groin, he was still their leading point scorer. Yeah. When he went down in 2019-2020, 
He was their leading point scorer. He had a really bad 2021 in the abbreviated 56-game season. And then last year, he was doing very well till he got hurt. You know, it's like there have been shades of this, right? It's just not been quite to this peak level, which I guess brings us back to the main point. It's like, well, yeah, he's got to be out onto the ice to accumulate the points. Yeah, um, I, I I should not be the one to speak on this because earlier this season I I wrote a a, a column. Uh, I was actually trying to defend Eric, but I, uh, I I compared him unfavorably to Albert Pujols as an angel and Michael Jordan as a wizard. So, <laughs> and and he 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 proceeded to put up like seventy points since 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 I wrote that article in like fifty games. So um, so I'm not going to say that he can't do it again. Um, I didn't think uh, that this Eric Carlson was still there, uh, the one that we've seen this season. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I am uh, uh, in awe uh, of, of what I've watched. Uh, it has been fun to watch. Uh, I hope that 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 he, you know, he shuts he shuts me up and shuts everybody up, and he puts he has another four seasons like this, you know, on his way to the Hall of Fame. Um, so, um, so I'm not gonna say that he can't do it because uh, I I thought that he was sort of. Uh, done as an elite defenseman, at least. Um, you know, I still thought he was a very good defense. You know, I, I've always been sort of in the middle when people were were, were uh, most negative about about Eric in the last couple of years. I've always defended him, mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, so I, you know, I sort of thought that he had settled into being like a very good, you know, two three defenseman, you know, kind of guy, you know, and still very uh, valuable player, just way overpaid. And then he comes up with, with, with this kind of season. So I'm not going to bet against him. I'm not going to tell you that he can't do it again. <laughs> Just as a, uh, as a final one for you, we obviously Kinesiov getting called up and it's been a long time since we've seen him play. Like I was trying to mm-hmm. see if I had any games on my DVR and I didn't and, you know, scouring YouTube. I mean, you know, he's doing the Clay Thompson thing, missing two full seasons and including an Achilles tear and, you know, finally he's he's back out there. What are your expectations? I mean, we don't know if he's going to play tonight. He might. David Quinn alluded that things were still up in the air. But what should the realistic expectations be for a player who's been out this long? Um, I don't think there really should be uh, too many expectations. Um, I did watch him uh, throughout the 2020-21 season, uh, the, yeah, his, his, his rookie year. And um, – one thing that, that I have seen, I watched a little bit of Barracuda during his rehab stint. Uh, his skating it still appears to be, as far as I can tell, still there. And that's sort of his, that was his calling card in his rookie season, his mobility for his size. And so that's a good sign considering all the injuries he's had, Achilles, you know, um, that that mobility still appears to be there. But in terms of just expectations, I really don't think there there should be any. The guy hasn't played since May 2021. Mm-hmm. Um you know, timing, things like that. You know, Angel is a whole nother level. We even saw with uh, with Willie Mecklen in the in the last game. Um, just particular plays where, uh, you know, I, I I think he forgot how fast the the league can be. I think on one power play sequence, he got trapped in in, in a corner uh, when he was trying to uh, you know trying to do something some uh, uh, something clever with the puck. But two Capitals were right on him. Two penalty calls were right were right on him. That probably wouldn't happen in AHL. And so anyway, um, yeah, I uh, don't have any uh, expe- expectations for him. Just hope that he stays healthy uh, uh, throughout this, uh, you know, little stretch, can build on this, have a good summer of training and really come back uh, next year and, you know, kind of continue the track that he was on in uh, 2021 when he was probably the Sharks' best rookie that year. Awesome, Shang. Well, I appreciate your time as always, and I will uh, see you at the tank soon. All right, man? Yep, take it easy. 
Again, that is Sheng Peng of San Jose Hockey Now and NBC Sports California joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network. And we are just about out of time. Be sure to join us at 4 o'clock for live pregame coverage with Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda ahead of today's clash against Winnipeg. See you then tomorrow morning, everyone, on Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.